Rangers playoff hockey is finally here. The Rangers and Hurricanes dropped a puck for game one of the playoffs on Saturday in Toronto at noontime. The post Larry Brooks joins us to break down the series and we make our predictions. We also preview the series with friend of the program, former Ranger and ESPN radio New York color commentator during the playoffs, Dave Maloney. With the Rangers taking the Islanders in an exhibition game and the Isles having a playoff series of their own against the Panthers, we will chat with Islanders legend and Hockey Hall of Famer Clark Gillies. All that and more next on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to center ice for a special presentation. Welcome to Up in the Blue Seats podcast, everybody. The New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post with Ron Duguay. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. And if you're using Apple, give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review. And while you're there, subscribe to the Post Baseball podcast coming out every Monday and Thursday. The Mets podcast, Amazing But True, with me and former Met Nelson Figueroa. And the Yankees podcast, Pinstripe Pod, with Chris Sheeran and former Yankee Jeff Nelson. Coming up this week on Up in the Blue Seats, Ron chats with our pal Larry Brooks, friend of the program, and now ESPN Radio Color commentator for the playoffs, Dave Maloney, and Islanders legend, Hockey Hall of Famer, Clark Gilly. Speaking of Ron, here he is, number 10, Ron Duguay. Hi, Jake. Thank you very much. This is Ron Duguay, and this is your hockey podcast. And wow, do I have a hop in my step right now because hockey's back. Last night, I got to watch hockey back on TV. And was I surprised to see the level of play, the skill level, guys competing. It looks like they are ready. And tonight, the Rangers go at it against the Islanders. Is it going to be old school rivalry? Or are they going to just go out and play, getting ready for the playoffs, which start on Saturday at noontime against Carolina? On the show today, because we're playing the Islanders, I thought it'd be fitting to have a friend of mine, Clark Gillies, longtime Islander, a Stanley Cup winner, and always well-versed in talking hockey. So I look forward to talking to him. Also, Dave Maloney, also a friend of the show, who's been following the Rangers going to practice. He's going to give his updates on what he thinks is going to happen, his prediction. And, of course, from the New York Post, the great Larry Brooks will share with us his thoughts as we move forward to Saturday as they get started. But before we get started, I do need to make a mention. In the news this week, a good friend of the Ranger family, teammate, player, Barry Beck, sadly lost his son, Brock, tragically, in a murder, which no one really knows the details of right now. All we know is we're thinking about Barry. We have you in our prayers. Barry, we wish you the very best, my friend. Yeah, and Ron, you know, our, we want to send all our condolences to his family. We don't know what the details were. We just know that his son was stabbed fatally, and it is truly tragic. Um, hard to transition from that, but the playoffs do begin, and I think Ranger fans, Ron, want to know what you're thinking. In this best-of-five series, we'll be back after Game 3. There is a chance that the Ranger season is over. There is a chance the Hurricane season is 
is over, or there is a chance we're looking ahead to a game four on next Wednesday's show. Break down the series for us. What do you think is going to happen? By the numbers, it's all Rangers. They beat them all four times this season. They've beaten them the last five times in the regular season. We know Henrik Lundqvist has had a ton of success in his career against the Hurricanes. New York has earned a win in 18 of its last 19 regular season home games against Carolina. Not that that factors in here, but all the numbers have proven that the Rangers absolutely dominate the Hurricanes franchise as this is the first time these two will take on each other in a playoff matchup. What's your prediction? Break down Rangers Hurricanes for us. Well, overall, you got to look at uh, what happened last year and why it happened. Carolina had some injuries that made a difference back on their defense. When you look at the Rangers, they were a skilled team that can score goals. They were in some good quality games where games were close, but the Rangers found a way to get that extra goal. On the other hand, Carolina can still score. They have some good forwards. And so for the Rangers, when you look at their goaltending, the goaltending has been really good. And that's what's going to be key, especially in game one. I don't believe Lundqvist is going to start, although, although he's played well. I guess Shuskirkin has played well. He's probably going to start. He's a young man that seems to handle pressure very well. And there's going to be a lot of pressure on the younger players, especially the players on the third and fourth line. But having said that, they have Panarin, Zavanajad, two guys that uh, are capable of taking this team and taking them to the next level. So it's going to be a, a team that uh, I think is going to rely on goaltending. Game one is really important for both sides. You don't want to get it in the hole because it's a three out of five series, short series. You want to be able to win that first game. And both teams are going to be talking special teams. Don't get into penalty minutes. Don't give the team advantage, especially early on that first game. So the Rangers, they stay away from taking bad penalties. They play them five on five. I think Five on five with good goaltending is good enough to beat Carolina. I think they beat them in four. I'm going to agree with you. I think the Rangers win in four games. I do think the Hurricanes will get a win. Remember, both teams are going to be rusty. They're only getting one exhibition game. So it's not like they've had uh, six to eight games to really get their legs up under them. It's just been playing against each other and their own teammates. So I'm going to say they win in four two in advance. And up in the blue seats will go on. The show must go on, as they say on Broadway, Ron. And uh, I think we'll be talking about maybe one more game in this series next Wednesday uh but excited to keep it going joining the show next to break down the series even more is the guy who's been at camp with the Rangers and that's the great the veteran the Hall of Famer Larry Brooks And welcome in, Rangers beat writer at the New York Post, Larry Brooks, joins us now. Follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy. You can read all of his Blue Shirts coverage in the post and at the NewYorkPost.com. Larry, welcome in. Yes, tonight the Rangers play their first game, their exhibition game against the Islanders. But last night, uh, I, I woke up yesterday and, and I had this level of excitement because of hockey was going to be back on TV. I was going to get to watch hockey. And I did. I did watch some of the games of course Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and I'm sure you watched some of that I, I would love to hear your impressions of what you saw on the ice not any team in particular or players but just what you saw on the ice right out of the gate in this first exhibition game it's not easy for me to translate what I'm seeing on the ice or what I saw on the ice last week or the last two weeks when the Rangers were practicing at, at uh, Tarrytown because I'm I'm just not sure of the context. I'm trying to place these, uh, I'm, I was trying to place Pittsburgh, Philly. Was it, to me, was it normal exhibition game pace? Was it not quite exhibition game pace? Um, and then I got very tired of trying to do that because I've, been, I've sort of been attempting to place things in context for the last two and a half weeks. And 
there is no context actually. So I thought it was interesting to see guys competing. I, I think I think that's probably going to be the benefit of the one exhibition game each of the uh, 24 teams are playing here and in uh, or in Toronto and in Edmonton is that it will get guys up, I think, to game speed, whatever speed that is. And, you know, competing for pucks, there was obviously, you know, there were small ice drills in practices, and I'm sure every team was running essentially the same kinds of camps. But it's a little bit different when Jesper Fast goes in against Libor Hayek when it's different than when Jesper Fast goes in uh, against Johnny Boychuk. So I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see muscle memory. I think that's basically what it's been, what these exhibition games are meant to be. And, and I think guys are will have some sort of idea of where they are. I don't know whether a team will quite know where, where it is, but I think guys will probably have a pretty good understanding themselves of where they are heading into Saturday. With tonight's game against the Islanders, do you think that you're going to see a lot of the same, what we saw last night in the exhibition games? Or Ranger Islanders, we we know it. There's a rivalry there. There's a little bit of dislike. Will we see a little bit of a rivalry on the ice or will it just be, okay, we're just getting ready for our playoffs, like regular stuff? I think that remains to be seen. I I, I, I think there's always, there, there's always an opportunity for a flashpoint to develop during a game. You know, a couple of guys could go in, look at each other wrong. Or, you know, there could be a play and drugs could be glo- dropped, I guess. I think it's a mistake to read more you know into this than it is the one prep game for a playoff tournament and so I I, I think while teams will want to will want to sharpen themselves as much as they can I think the primary interest here is going to be getting through the game without an injury and I think you know it's it's probably important for the goaltenders to handle some pucks a little bit too but I wouldn't place too much into this one tonight and uh, however it works out in your article today in the New York Post you talk about Heedle an opportunity for him uh, as the Rangers move forward not only into this playoff but moving into next year they have to figure out certain positions and for Heedle it's an opportunity for him to kind of showcase himself uh as far as is he a third line centerman is he a second line centerman because you have Strom there that's playing well with Panarin so I like that article so have you seen anything different with Heedle in training because he made a mention that he came into camp he feels a little better prepared as far as his training I guess he trained a little bit harder changed his diet a little bit so he's saying that he's feels stronger he feels really good could we expect something different out of him with what you've seen so far in training camp he had I thought a a very good two weeks in Tarrytown. Again, though, he may have been in one spot where the guys he was competing against were in a different spot physically. So it's, um, I don't read too much of it. However, he looked very good. He looked bigger. <laughs> you know, whether that's an optical illusion could be because, you know, after all, it was only you know, three months or so that he was away. I don't know. Maybe he did get a little bit bigger. He's a, he's a growing boy. He's still only 20 years old. But I, I think his play in this tournament, which could be for as few as three games and could be for as many as 33, you know, they've got between three and 33 games on their schedule. If they get through the first round, if they get through this qualifier and get to the first round and then they get into a best of seven, it gives Heedle an opportunity to showcase himself and it gives the Rangers a real opportunity to evaluate him. Him because I do think their decision up front this summer or this offseason is going to be uh, the Ryan Strom decision. If they believe that Heedle is ready to become their second line center next year, I think there's less chance that Strom will be back. If Heedle 
either doesn't get the opportunity in, in this tournament or doesn't play particularly well, and the Rangers feel that it's too much of a risk to eliminate Strom from the equation next year and push Heedle into that second spot, and maybe that's just too much pressure for a 21-year-old. He'll be 21 next year. Maybe that's too much pressure to ask a 21-year-old to, to you know, to replicate what Strom could do with Panarin. There's going to be a lot on the center who plays with Artemi Panarin. So I think this is this is a time for the Rangers to evaluate what they have in Philip Hedl, not whether they made a good pick or not, not whether he's going to be an NHL top six at some point, whether they can move him, whether they feel he's ready to be moved into the top six next year. That I think is is something they'll be they'll be evaluating during this tournament. And today they came out with the awards for individual players, Chris Kreider winning the John Halligan Good Guy Award, Panarin Team MVP, no surprise there. Jasper Fast, Players Player Award, fifth year in a row. And he doesn't necessarily got a lot of attention because you've been around him so much. What is it about Jasper Fast that makes him the players player fifth years in a row. Well, I think it's remarkable. Honestly, I, I I just think it is remarkable that a player would command that type of respect from his peers in the room. I unfortunately can't tell you everything he does inside that room because I'm not there. But all, all I know is when you talk to players about him, they they talk about Jesper Fast as the ultimate teammate, the guy who will do anything on the ice in order so that the team can win. The guy who will do every dirty job so that the skilled players can score goals. And I, I imagine it, it it must go deeper than that. I mean, honestly, you you were in locker rooms for, what, 15 years in the NHL? So you're probably a better person to to talk about what what traits a player would have that his teammates vote him the player's player in a row. And, you know, consider the big names, veteran players the Rangers have had over those last five years. And every year it comes down to Jesper Fast. So, you know, as, as, a, as a pro athlete, you're probably better equipped to speak to what his qualities might be than I. Well, I would just say that uh, a lot of it has to do with when you're competing, when you're competing on the ice, how he treats his players, things he says in the dressing room, and then probably most of all is is what he's like with every teammate, not just two or three, but it, what he's like with every teammate off the ice. Does he become like a brother? Is he caring? Is he sincere? Is he honest about all of things that he does? And I'm sure that that's what it is. I can only tell you that I've been around just a short bit and just how personable he was and how kind he was when I spoke to him said a lot. It was impressive to me. It's like when I think back of players that I really liked, I have a few that I keep in mind, but not many qualify to have that complete package. So good for him that uh, he's being honored. Um, so Larry, I'm going to let you go with one last question because we're not going to see you or talk to you before next week. And who knows what things are going to look like next Wednesday after the playoffs start. But I got to know your predictions on this series. I think the Rangers have a real good shot at this since I am a New York person and I think they have a real good shot at it. I, I'm inclined to pick them to win the series. I believe their key will be their goaltending, honestly. And and I think the reason they have dominated Carolina over the years, the reason they dominated them last season, the, re the reason they dominated this season is goaltending. The, the Rangers' goaltending has been spectacular. I expect Igor Shesterkin to get the start in game one. I think that if he runs into trouble, we'll see Lundqvist during the series. But I, I do think that the Rangers have, in addition to their goaltending, I think the Rangers have the best two forwards in the series, in Panarin 
and Zibanejad. And so that there is an advantage. I think Carolina obviously hurting on defense. It does not appear that Dougie Hamilton is going to play at least the first three games. Uh, it does not appear that Brett Pesci will be playing at all. And so their vaunted depth on defense is going to be tested early. That means a lot more ice time for Sammy Vatnin, um, who didn't play at the end of the year because he was injured. It means a lot more ice time probably for Brady Shea, who had his inconsistencies when he was in New York. And so I don't think Carolina comes in quite at the at, at the uh, strength they'd like. And I think the Rangers go in on a pretty, I think the Rangers go in in a pretty good position here. I like them to win the series. Well, I thank you for that. I, I'm going to agree with you. And I think most Razor fans are going to agree with you also. Thanks for your time, Larry. We'll talk this time next week. Thanks, Ronnie. I'd like to welcome in now a friend of the show, Ranger legend and color commentator on Ranger Radio, NMSG TV, Dave Maloney. Dave, welcome to the show again. Well, thanks for having me again, dude. You must put down the list and talk to me again and say, I'll get that old knucklehead back on. (laughs) No, well, I actually thought that you might be working the Ranger game today on MSG. uh, And I I know how busy you are. And so I didn't want to interfere. Then I figured out you're not. So here you are. So why don't you share with us uh, going into the playoff exactly what you're going to be do as far as your job description? Yeah, well, I'll be back with Kenny. Kenny Albert and I will be calling the games on uh, 98.7 ESPN FM in New York out of the ESPN radio studio. Um, we have all the protocols in place as far as social distancing and all, all those. And the MSG TV guys, they will be calling the game out of the MSG studios. So at both site the only people that are actually calling the game on site uh, on the, in Toronto and Edmonton would be the NBC crews for American television Sportsnet crews for Canadian television and there might be a French Canadian uh, crew on each site also so um, it's a little different than uh, certainly we've been accustomed to but on the radio side Ron uh, there's been a couple times when the Rangers have opened in Europe the uh, radio crew wasn't involved in that and uh, so we've uh, had some experience calling it off a uh, monitor on uh, uh, in a studio. So as I'm sure you are, um, I'm pretty excited to get this thing going. And I'm not sure any of us thought we'd be watching Stanley Cup playoffs in July, August, and September. But you know what? The way it's been going, it's, uh, it's going to be exciting. Dave, that's got to be difficult. I know you've done it before, but calling a game off a monitor, there's a lot of things you don't see, camera angles you don't see. So can you take us through your experience of calling off a monitor and like how it's going to change your way of analyzing the game, especially on the radio, because you're talking to people on the road for the most part who aren't seeing anything that's going on. Well, that's the one thing you have to remember. The good news is, the bad news, I suppose, is people aren't seeing our call. The good news is they aren't seeing our call. So they might not know. <laughs> the point is, as the first time we did it was uh, when the Rangers opened against Tampa in Czech Republic, and it was a small monitor in the radio studios. And again, it was the first time for everyone. And I'm not sure uh, there was uh, anybody really noticed the difference, in all honesty. But then I got a chance to call the World Cup in 2016 out of the ESPN studios in Bristol, Connecticut. Don LeGrecke and I did the American games, and we had a big 43-inch high-def television. It was awesome. I mean, it was great. Now, the way they've got it set up for this, we have, I think it's three different screens with different angles, and then you can get another angle on your laptop. So, I mean, the, the big difference is there's, there's nothing like being live at a hockey game. I know we were fortunate enough to actually be on the ice surface, but, you know, now that we're 
we're, uh, you know, more in the stands or watching. That's what you're going to miss. It's just the excitement of the building and, and things like that. It's just a matter of creating the excitement that you would normally get, uh, you know, if you were in the building with the crowd. Well, Dave, uh, it's funny you say that because I because I, I know you. I know how passionate you are. And I know when you're watching the game live that the Dave Maloney that I know on the ice comes out <laughs> on the radio. And so I think we're going to kind of miss a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, too, so they've given us each our individual headsets that we keep with us all the time, take it home and stuff. So I, I had to make sure that mine was made of rubber so when I toss that thing, it doesn't break. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. It's like tossing your stick. So, <laughs> so Dave, you, you had have been like me yesterday where I could not wait for yesterday just to watch hockey on TV. And so I sat there and I, and I started watching the Pittsburgh-Philly game and I watched uh, Toronto-Montreal. Before I, uh, I share with you what I saw, what was it? What was your impression of watching these games after two weeks of training camp? I was totally impressed. I probably got over to the Ranger practice. In the two weeks, I was probably over there six times. Too. And I was just so impressed at the, the the, the pace of play and, and the execution of play. I, I mean, it just almost it was like they'd never missed a beat. Now, I think the thing is, unlike camp, uh, train, normal training camp where you get split up into three groups and the talent level, you know, there's a disparity in talent. There's no question. But when you get your top 25 guys on the ice running through a 45 minute to an hour practice at pace, I'm telling you, I, I couldn't help but sitting there watching, wishing it could be out there because there was nothing better than to you know play at a high pace with skill. And when you're playing in the best league in the world, uh, it was so impressive. Now, again, you never really know. As I, you know, everybody I'm sure had the same opinion when they got their guys all back together. Then when you get out and play against another franchise, that they're thinking the same thing, right? The two things that stood out for me last night were the skill difference in the Toronto Montreal game and the Edmonton Calgary game. I thought was noticeable the skill difference that Toronto brings and the skill difference that Edmonton brings. And I think when it starts, I think it's a lot easier to play as a skilled player than having to be hunkered down and defend and be able to play. The other thing I thought, in all honesty, a team that I don't know that a lot of people are talking about, I thought the Flyers looked really good. They have a nice mix. And when you look at the winners in the last couple of years, they've had their skilled guys, but they've got they've had guys that don't mind getting involved and they've got some size. So, you know, early looks for me, that's what I took out of last night. That I think early, I think if you've got some skill, you're gonna have a little better chance. And I would not discount the Flyers as being a kind of a quiet factor here moving along. Well, it's funny you say that because as I was watching, I thought, you know what, Philly looks really good, but also what came to mind because this is an exhibition game, I kind of went back in time in 1977 when I first became a New York Ranger. Philly in an exhibition game. Times have changed. And so because our listeners, Dave, like to listen to stories of the past, can you explain what it was like in 1977, 76 going to training camp, playing against the Flyers, being different than what it was like last night playing Pittsburgh? You know, it's funny. Who did I listen to? Uh, oh, it was Crosby. Uh, I was listening to Crosby because they were doing a, a Flyer Pittsburgh thing, and he, you know, he he eventually said, "I hate Philadelphia. I hate everything about Philadelphia. I hate their players. I hate their franchise." I said, "Holy cow! He must have played with us in the mid '70s because." <laughs> Yeah, all it was. I'll never forget the time too. We're playing an exhibition game, and Paul Stewart. You remember? Were you there when he came to camp? Paul Stewart. Yeah. I don't know if you were there. Were you there? Yes, I, I was, was there. Yes, I was and, there. And, 
when when he challenged the flyer bench in exhibition. And you're going like, well, no, because he's not going to make the team. And we had to play them like 15 times. Oh, oh God. And then I, bo- I know we both talked about those bus trips to Philly. You know, you get on the bus and at the garden, we'd all meet. And then, oh, there might have been music playing or guys are playing cards or this and that. And the closer you got to the spectrum, the quieter it got. And right? by the time you got to the room, you're like, I always thought it was like if you were a Christian in the days of the Roman Empire when they beat throw the Christians to the lions, right? That must have sucked for the Christians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's remind everyone, back in our day, we got the tail end of uh, bench-clearing brawls were allowed, right? So you know what it was like. If, if one or two flyers were in trouble, well, the whole team would come off, and next thing you know, we'd have a bench-clearing brawl. That may last for 30 minutes, and if you weren't paired up with the right guy, it was a long 20 or 30 minutes. That's what it was like back then. And I'll tell you, too, and I've told you this, and I've said a number of times when asked about those playoff series against the Flyers, I felt so sorry for Dubs because between the fans that wanted to lynch him and let alone the players that would chase him around for the first 10 minutes of the game, the rest of us were basically left alone. And Dubs, you know, we'd have to jump in if something got involved. Dude would come through it with flying colors. They'd take a bunch of knucklehead penalties. Our goalies would be better, and our skilled guys would score in a power play. So there you go. Rangers in five, Rangers in six on the next one. But I often thought, God, I'm not sure I wanted to be around you in those series. <laughs> well, Dave, as I mentioned, it, it either have to man up and it's going to bring the best out of you. When I look at my numbers against Philly in Philly, I did well as far as scoring goals. So you had to play on your toes. You had to be ready. So anyways, Dave, uh, into today's team and the Ranger team, uh, today they announced some of the awards, the uh, John Halligan Good Guy Award, which was uh, Chris Kreider who won that. And I guess I wanted to ask you, because John Halligan was during our time, for those who don't know, who didn't know John Halligan, how would you describe him? Because the award is the Good Guy Award to Chris Kreider. How would you describe John Halligan? I think it's appropriately named. I, I just thought he was a good guy. You know, he always seemed to have a smile on his face, and he always seemed to just be the guy that was there, wasn't overbearing by any stretch of the imagination. I, I, I think times have changed immensely uh, in that role, but I still think the more uh, personable PR directors are, are usually, you know, the better ones. And uh, to me, John Halligan was, I, I, I really liked John. I just thought he had, a, he had a presence that when he asked you to do something, you did it uh, because it wasn't so much he felt obligated to do it. Uh, it was because either John had worked hard to make it happen or it was just, you were doing it for John. So I, so for me, when I think of John Halligan, I can't help but think the first two words that come to mind are good guy. Just, I thought he was a really good guy. How about you? Yeah, the same. Especially when you're a young man, you come to a team and you want those that uh, are are helping us to really care about us. And I really felt like he cared about all of us. And, uh, and back then we had a lot of fun. When we traveled, we really got to know each other. It wasn't just the players with the players. But we got to know everyone. And uh, he was just, like you said, uh, a very generous, good man who you can tell was sincere and wanting to be there for you and cared about you. So I know the trophy is awarded to uh, Chris Kreider. And we can get into Chris, but I got to end this with uh, your thoughts on uh, this matchup going against Carolina. Your overall thoughts and your prediction on what you think is going to happen. Well, there's a couple things here. I, I, I think when it comes down to it, the Rangers franchise since Hendricks has been involved has 
a, a tremendous record against Carolina's franchise. But for Cam Ward, um, the Rangers most times about goaltended the Hurricanes. And I, I still think that is a significant advantage uh, right down to Georgia, whether it's, uh, I, I think most people think, and I do think it will be Shesterkin that will start, and uh, Hendrick has spectacular numbers. I also think that when it comes to uh, game breakers, I think the Rangers have a few more guys that you know can make that play that needs to be made to create something when there's not a lot of room. You look at from the back end, it's Fox, it could be D'Angelo. Certainly up front, it's Panarin and uh, Mika. So I just think, you know, you're not going to discount Ajo. You're not going to discount Caravan and perhaps. Sounds like Hamilton's out of the lineup. Sounds like Brett Pesci's out of the lineup. Two guys on a very deep blue line, maybe two of the top three defenders in the club. That being said, I think Carolina's a little deeper up front. I think the matchups in the third and fourth rotation might determine an awful lot also. And the Rangers uh, aren't quite as experienced there when you start talking about Capo, Caco, and Brett Howden and, and Philip Heedle and uh, Lemieux when he gets back in the lineup and uh, Gauthier as a young guy. So there's a lot of youth in that kind of 6 through 12 uh, rotation from the lineup that may favor Carolina. I think at the end of the day, uh, in a short series, as we talked about, uh, I think the Rangers certainly have a better chance than not of advancing. And I've never really been in a prediction mode, but if everything falls to where I think they could fall and maybe should fall, uh, it wouldn't shock me if the Rangers advanced. Well, that's good news. Thanks, Dave, for, for your insights. And um, we'll uh, maybe talk in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully they move on to the next round. Thank Absolutely, you. Absolutely, dude. It's always a pleasure. Keep up the good work, brother. My guest today played 14 seasons in the NHL, drafted in the first round, fourth overall in 1974 in the amateur draft by the New York Islanders. He played a big part in the success with the team winning four Stanley Cups. He was later honored by the Islanders with the retirement of his jersey in 1996. Then in 2002, was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Welcome, my friend, Clark Gillies. Clarky, welcome. Hello, Diggy. It's nice to be here. Uh, what a great introduction. I, you said it just like I wrote it. <laughs> hey, listen, I got to <laughs> share with you. So yesterday in promoting the show and promoting the fact that you're going to be on, I posted a picture on Instagram of you and I, and I've got to tell you, my phone has been blowing up with a lot of likes from a lot of ladies. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I feel bad. I feel bad for them. <laughs> well, it was it was a picture of you and I at the Mary Lemieux event, uh, which uh, you and I have done a couple times. But you you and I go back to uh, when we played together on Canada Cup, and then later on, I really got to know you with being part of your foundation and the events that you put on every year. So I guess I wanted to ask you about why did you decide? Because I know you have a heart for kids. Why did you decide to form your foundation? What was the real reason for doing it? Well, exactly that, Dougie. It was uh, having been pretty fortunate here on Long Island with uh, with all the things that have happened to us, just the success we've had here. That uh, and and being a Long Island resident, I've never left here. I've always made this home since my rookie year. I thought it was uh, uh, kind of a duty 
on my part to uh, give something back to the community and, and forming a foundation that uh, will help that helps kids and continues to help kids uh, was something that uh, I really wanted to do. And it's, uh, we're in our 21st year, something like that, and uh, going strong. COVID has got us mixed up a little bit, but uh, you know we're going to still have our golf outing in, in September. Excuse me, in October we were supposed to be in August. It's in uh, October this year, so uh, we're we're forging ahead. But uh, you know, trying to raise money for kids and, and do some good here on Long Island. Clark, I don't even know. Do you have any sort of connections with the Islanders? Because uh, tonight with the Rangers. Uh, starting in the Islanders, starting their exhibition game, they're going off against each other, and the rivalry has been a lot of fun. Do you have any sort of connections to the Islander organization? So I, I do a little uh, public relations with Sam. They'll call me for different events throughout the course of the year. You know, I go to the games, similar to the way you guys would go uh, to the Ranger games and kind of shake hands and kiss a few babies while I'm there. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's good, good PR for them. People seem to get a kick out of seeing the old, the uh, uh, retired players and helps them and it helps me and uh so yeah i i would set foot in the locker room trying to tell these kids what to do i've kind of forgot everything about hockey but they play it a little differently than we used to anyway so but on a from a pr standpoint i enjoy going to the games and helping them out one thing i didn't realize about you until i went back and look at your bio is that uh, the year that you were drafted by the islanders in the first round you were also drafted by the edmonton oilers in the wha can you share with us the process that you went through when trying to figure out which team you wanted to play against or with because when you think about it you could have played with Wayne Gretzky yeah ultimately yeah uh, a couple of years later he would have I guess they merged they came up and became the Oilers I've been asked that question before Doogie and it's I, I really did ask. I asked Edmonton. I had my agent contact them. They came back with not a, a very exciting offer. It was, it was much less than what the Islanders were offering. And, and deep down, deep down back in those days, that was always uh, my dream to play in the NHL. I didn't know quite where the WHA was going, and there were too many question marks. So obviously, it turned out to be a great choice coming to the Islanders. And I never, never really, never really had any intentions of going to the Everton in the first place but uh, as it turned out I, I don't I don't think they were very serious about me anyway hey Clark Jake Brown here I want to look back to the Islanders Rangers rivalry when you and Ron played you were part of the four Stanley Cup Islander teams first off were there any Studio 54 appearances with Ron or any any El Vagabondos or any <laughs> any late night out in the uh, 80s uh, to be honest with you, I was in, I was at Studio 54 once. I think I got overserved because I remember waking up in the uh, upper balcony by myself. So uh, it was it was it wasn't much of a memory for me, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, I was only there once. I uh, you know us uh, country boys out here on the island, we never got into the city too much. That was that was more for Ron. We didn't want to tread on his ground. You know? What was that <laughs> rivalry like on the ice? Obviously, you know you guys were out there. Ron was out in the city with the guys. Uh, how competitive as we get ready for this exhibition? And hopefully, there's no injuries. Everyone comes out healthy tonight, which is the most important thing heading into this playoff series. But what was it like on the ice, the competition between you two guys? Oh, it was. They were always, you know, high paced games. I mean, anytime we played the Rangers, it was, it was, it was a uh, situation where you know we wanted to beat them, and obviously the Rangers wanted to beat us more than us. I think the fans made it uh, made it more more of a rivalry than the players did. But it was, uh, you know, you always wanted to have bragging rights. When I first came to the Islanders, the first game I played against the Rangers was at the Coliseum, and uh, the Rangers scored. The place went crazy. 
And I looked at Eddie Westfall, who was sitting next to me. I said, uh, that's weird. I said, they scored, and our fans are going nuts. He goes, those are Ranger fans. He said, they can get more tickets here than the, than the Islander fans do. I said, well, that's got to change. Meaning, you know, we got to get better, and we got to get more of our fans pulling for us. And, you know, that did turn around. But great, great fans on both teams. And uh, and I think that's really what made the, the rivalry as big as it was, is because the fans got us pumped up. And good playing, good playing in both buildings. I love playing at the Garden. I'm sure it was a, a, the Coliseum was a fun place for the Rangers to go as well. So it's just, it always was a great rivalry, and it, and it still is. But I think tonight's probably going to be the quietest time the Ranger game that anyone's ever seen because why, why would you do anything to hurt yourselves? He's pretty going to the playoffs. It doesn't make much sense. I'm not even sure why they're playing one game, but it'll be, I think, in my perspective, I think it's going to be pretty quiet. So if you're a competitor in this game, in an exhibition game, what's going through your mind? Like, because you're thinking, part of yourself is thinking, hey, like, we might play these guys down the road. We got to show them what we got. And then the other half of you is like, you know what, this game doesn't matter. We want to be healthy for Saturday. So there's kind of the two dynamics of this that you, you want to take it serious, but you don't want to take it too serious. Well, I, I think uh, I think the most important part of this game tonight for both teams is not, not to beat the hell out of each other. Uh, it's to go out there, kind of get your legs. There'll be some, of course, there'll be some hitting and things like that, but I don't think there'll be anything stupid. Um, I think they'll go out there and try and see how they react in, in a more of a, a real game situation. I mean, scrimmaging against each other at practice is, is really is really not what I would call getting yourself game ready. So I guess they'll kind of get a feel for you know how they are going up and down in a game situation, skating in a game situation, a little different than practice. So it'll just be a feeling out to sort of thing i i'd be shocked i'd be shocked if, uh, if anybody went out of their way to, to do anything that was going to cause an injury because it's uh, they've got you know too much and too much is at, at stake over the next couple of months to uh fucking yourself up uh you know playing a stupid exhibition game so my opinion is going to be they're not going to waltz around together but uh it's going to be quiet Clark, you had mentioned earlier about uh, today's game, how it's being played differently. How do you see it? When you watch games today, do you think of yourself being in today's game and how you would do in today's game? Yeah, I played I played at 220. Yeah, I could skate pretty good, could shoot the box and, you know, play physical. Fighting, you know, I had my share of fights, but fighting wasn't was my most important thing when I went to the went to the rank. I knew I knew some games I was going to have to fight, and there were a lot of other games. I said, "Yeah, go up there. I love to score three goals." I mean, that that was first and foremost for me was trying to get a hat trick, not trying to get in three fights. So I think I would have been in better shape. Uh, these players today are in better shape than we were. The equipment is much lighter. I think that's the reason that they skate so much faster is that they're not carrying around you know twenty five pounds of equipment on their back. I think I could have played. Uh, I think I would have had the quickness, uh, enough quickness to uh, to uh, compete. Certainly would have been big enough to stand in front of that on a power play like I used to. So a lot of guys get paid a lot of money just to do that nowadays. But, uh, yeah, the game is quick. It's very fast. In some respects, I think it's a little bit too fast. They need to slow it down a bit. But, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, I would love to have the opportunity to find out, but we know that's never going to happen. But I love the game. I love the game the way it is. Fast. I mean, there, there are still some solid body checks being thrown out there. And uh, once in a while, not a lot good fight. So it's it's got a little bit of everything like it used to. Yeah, Clark, having played uh, with you and against you, uh, and I know when you look back at uh, your numbers, you came out of junior scoring 
goals and that's why you were a high draft pick and you can do it all you would play the game the way you want you know how the game was being played so you had some great hands you had uh, a great seminar of course and Brian Trotty and Bossy I look forward to uh, their rivalry to continue to build the Ranger and Islander rivalry because it was a lot of fun for us back then so I appreciate you being on the show Rod we got to get his prediction first we got to see what what do you think Clark Are, are the Islanders going to get past the Panthers will we see Rangers Islanders playoff series in a couple weeks I uh, I would love to see that. We haven't had one of those in a long time. I uh, I actually made a bet uh, with uh, Doug Sifu, one of the owners of the Florida Panthers, this morning. Friends with him through a, uh, another buddy of mine, and I bet Doug I uh, bet Doug around to golf. But the loser has to host the other guy to a round of golf, so he was all excited about that. But I I think the Islanders being healthy. Uh, I kind of look back to the beginning of last season when they had that streak of 17 or 18 games in a row without a loss, and I think uh, now that they're healthy. Hopefully, we'll see some of that magic again. And to, to see an Allen Ranger uh, playoff series with the special, that would be, uh, be worth its weight in gold. So keep our fingers crossed, and uh, hopefully, both teams survive and we get to see that. All right, Clarky, thanks for your time. Thanks, dude. We appreciate it. that seals the deal for episode 35 on Up in the Blue Seats. Thanks to Jake Brown for producing the show. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Please give us a five-star rating on Apple. And we truly appreciate you writing a very nice positive review. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RonDuguay10. Thanks for joining us, folks. We will be back next Wednesday recapping game one, two, and three between the Rangers and the Hurricanes. The Blue Shirts are back. Let's go Rangers.